Welcome to Reframing Our Stories. This podcast is dedicated to deconstructing the stories we've been told about who we are and how we're supposed to be. I'm your host, Kara Houck. Today, I have the honor of speaking with the Reverend M. Barclay. M is the co-founder and executive director of Enfleshed. Enfleshed is a nonprofit dedicated to bringing new and inclusive language around liturgy. On their website, it says, Enfleshed creates and facilitates spiritual resources for collective liberation through prayer, liturgies, art, meditations, teaching, and suit and come, a print magazine. Enfleshed was birthed in 2017 out of a deep longing for engagement with the sacred through collective, liberative, creative, and nourishing practices and ideas unencumbered by dogma, religious respectability politics, or denominational ties. With my work as a sexual health educator and theologian, I stumbled upon their site and immediately became a fan. I get a lot of newsletters in my email and I don't take the time to read them all, but I do take the time to read and fleshed. The writing is superb, intimate, and relational. It is writing that I believe invites all people to a place of profound interaction with the divine. M is ordained through the United Methodist Church. They also are quoted and have their writings in multiple publications. They are a speaker and spends time in the art of stained glass. Reverend M, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. And thank you for your very generous words. Yeah, I feel just like so honored to meet you um, and spend this time with you. But before we begin, mm-hmm. I really do want to read uh, what is on your website that I find to be so eloquent, eloquent and it just mm-hmm. captures my experience with God. Mm-hmm. So it says, while the world aches for transformation and healing, God is not a distant observer, but an infleshed presence at the margins, in the soil, in chaos and quiet, in pleasure and pain. The divine is intimately entangled with all aspects of our collective life, the material, the political, the intimate, the sensual, the struggle, the places where they all meet. With this assurance, infleshed creates and facilitates spiritual resources for Christian adjacent communities, learning and unlearning dominance in belief and practice. As the spirit, tender and fierce, calls us all to courage, and fleshed hopes to provide sources of deep spiritual nourishment for the work of collective liberation before us. And to that, I offer a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just, when I, when really, when I read that, I was, I am just like in awe of how you could even put those words together and mm. capture who I believe God is, mm. you know, I mean, that in essence is who I feel God is. And to hear the words at the margins in the soil, you know, in the chaos and quiet, the pleasure mm. and pain. That, that the divine is intimately entangled, like that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. You know, so much of it is, um, I feel so passionate about so much of this work because the lack of these ideas in my own life have been mm-hmm. so 
draining of of life and spirituality and so to get to kind of um focus on the things that have been lacking is Mm -hmm. is a real pleasure yeah so uh, what i love about your ministry really is the intimacy that is in every piece of writing that i have come across Mm -hmm. so then tell me about how you've decided that there is a need for this and liturgy i mean you just talked about what was lacking. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about that. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate this particular insight. Like I haven't thought to ascribe the word intimacy to our work, uh, but mm-hmm. there's definitely something right on about that. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully an intimacy, you know, coupled with boundaries and other important elements that make intimacy and in public good for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, but it's true that a lack of intimacy Um, of feeling, of particularity and personalization, of bodily experiences and vulnerable truths. Um, I just feel so, uh, I just feel like they they strip worship and theology from so much Mm -hmm. of what nurtures life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think white Christians in particular. Um, So many of us have an inherited an understanding of God, of divinity uh, that is separable from us. Um, we can talk about God without talking about people. Mm. Um, we can think about God without thinking about the earth. We can pray to God while ignoring our neighbor. And Mm. it wasn't always this way, you know, it's one of the ways that colonialization and whiteness and patriarchy, um, have distorted our own connection to our own bodies and feelings and to experience the divine, um, in and through them. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I was in seminary just uh, over 10 years ago, and I, in my, one of my classes, we were learning about, like, how to construct a funeral, right, and Mm -hmm. um, my professor was just, like, really pushing this idea that the funeral was not about the person who was dead, was not about the per- the people who were gathering around the dead to grieve, um, and that the focus uh, of the funeral should be on God. And I remember this moment so clearly because it made me so frustrated um, and says so much about- Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yes about what any of this means or is meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole illusion that like, there's any way of knowing, talking about or experiencing God outside of our own bodies and lives and relationships just I think is so deadening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any way that we can be a part of like correcting that yeah. um, feels just so important in the world today, yeah. And it feels so strange since the entire aspect I feel of Christianity is around God incarnate. Right. You know? Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> like God is body, flesh, yes. a part of us. And it's, you're right. Like, I don't think I ever thought about it as um, so concrete as you just describe it in the fact that we can separate God yeah. from all of these things when really, again, they're not, and they're entwined, you know, I, I very much talk about the fact that sexuality and spirituality are not separate. Yeah. But I also didn't equate what you just did, mm-hmm. that we do that with everything. Yeah, right. Like, I love that you pointed out the incarnation. I mean, it's, 
I, I wish I could remember who said it, but I was just reading somebody the other day who was writing about like the, a real, a real bad move for <laughs> that Christianity made was the way mm -hmm. that we made Jesus the point of the religion rather than like uh, the the practices of Jesus are practices as a religion. Right. Um, and like, I think that that's part of where the incarnation got troubled, right? Is like mm -hmm. this whole concept of the point is that God dwells in flesh, our flesh, and we have this divinity within us. And it's mm -hmm. how we experience and know God has now been sidelined to this interpretation of the incarnation that is just about one person once long ago, you know? Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Ruins so much. <laughs> it does. It does. And I feel like there's just, we, uh, yeah, I just feel like we are missing the mark on so many levels. Yeah. And that we could have a, such more of a depth of a relationship with God mm -hmm. if we, like you said, just immersed ourselves and allowed that body aspect yes. to be more prevalent in our words and our experiences, especially in the places and institutions that represent God, yeah, right? That's right, that's right. So you came from an evangelical, excuse me, background. Mm -hmm. So what was that like for you and how did that change you? Yeah, um, you know, I feel like anytime I like try to speak to my past with, um, with that, it's like, I'm always unsatisfied with my answer. And I think part of it is because <laughs> there's so much, there's so many levels, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. There's so many levels. Like there are so many different ways that, um, it was extremely difficult for me and destructive. And I like learned different kinds of thinking that enabled and encouraged practices and behaviors that hurt me and that hurt others that taught me to like neglect my body and my feelings and my sexuality um, because I thought they were the faithful things to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have unlearned so much since then, and I'm so grateful. And I am adamant about talking about like the dangers of evangelical Christianity um, mm -hmm. and like anybody who's paying attention to what's happening in this country sees the way that it's entangled with white supremacy and patriarchy, both at the interpersonal level, but certainly in these national, like political ways that are shaping policy, um, that are, are leading to extreme right, you know, uprisings. Mm -hmm. um, all of that is so entangled. And I feel so, yeah, just so adamant about that. And there's also truth that for me in the like interpersonal level, um, I, I, I think that my experiences with uh, communities that I was a part of, like helped me survive difficult experiences as a sure. young person, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I had, I experienced a kind of like interpersonal care that I have yet to feel is replicated in um, communities that are far healthier in other ways, right? So yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. so many layers of, of complexity. Um, and it's, I think anytime we lose some of that complexity, like we're even farther from getting to like what we need to learn from um, things that even like, I, I still feel clear that like it's, there's a lot of violence and destruction happening in these beliefs. Um, 
but that it is it is complicated and I always it feels so important like it's so often easy to talk about the the dangers and destruction of that form of Christianity or the white form in particular um Right. And then to pretend like mainline Protestant denominations mm-hmm. <laughs> that are like progressive or moderate or, or conservative have like freed themselves of in any way from white supremacy or patriarchy mm-hmm. or queer and transphobia. Like it's just it's just more covert. Right. Which is, sure. you know, I feel like that gets lost sometimes, um, even in the importance of naming those differences. Yeah. So I want to see I just want to clarify if I heard. So you said yeah. also that you had to, you also experienced care and tenderness through part of those times too, right? I mean, I feel like that's also, it's highlighting in, right, that we have to get away from binary thinking, like how we put things into camps, like right right or wrong, good or bad, you know, other things, black or white, like it just, it helps magnify all of those things. Right, and because we're all like, it's all humans doing things right <laughs> like exactly you know um and so it is likely true that most things will have varying degrees of like things that are good and things that are d- destructive and then mm-hmm. a lot of things that are depending on good for who and destructive for who and you know exactly. whatever but it's not that all things are equal uh, but it is also not the case that anything is pure or anything is not without something that is um, mm-hmm. probably worth learning from or experiencing in some way <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first started working in a church I was kind mm-hmm. of uh, I was working as a children's minister mm-hmm. and I remember being kind of taken aback I was in my young 20s Mm, and mm -hmm. um I just couldn't believe people were fighting over ridiculous things in Mm. my opinion that I felt Uh was ridiculous and you know to the fact of arguing over the carpet or the color of carpet Mm -hmm. and like how we're going to decorate and different things and people would just get really hurt feelings and um I remember the pastor said to me you know, Kara, the church is made up of broken people. Mm-hmm. Um, or we show mm-hmm. up with our brokenness to these mm-hmm. spaces. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of how they are presented. Yes. And he's like, so we have to learn where that's shining light for people mm-hmm. and then show them grace, you know, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. how do we care for those and then help reconcile? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh. Okay. (laughs) Right, right. All right. Yeah, yeah. We're humans. (laughs) Yeah, we're all a mess. It's just like, what kind of mess are we? And like, how Mm -hmm. can we learn from each other's messes and what we've learned from our own messes? You know, it's like, yeah. Takes us a while sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, how are the liturgies that you are providing and um, how are they transforming the lives? for the queer community? Hmm. You know, it's, um, I don't know, like, if I would say that I feel confident it's transforming the lives of the queer community, but I, I do hear um, little glimpses of, of ways that uh, words that are born from uh, love for queerness and queer people and the queerness of God 
uh, have been meaningful um, for folks to encounter through our work. Uh, I think there's just so much that's been lacking in terms of um, meeting the most basic spiritual needs of queer and trans people. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly we we don't have the capacity to correct that by any means, but I think that um, just every little thing helps a little bit, um, uh, both in the most basic way of like affirming the things that have uh, been um, infirm- uh, affirming basic re- basic realities that like we're all beloved and it's okay to be queer you know that that super basic level but also like having access to spiritualities that center and move from queerness or transness um i think is becoming even more the need as there are more and more uh christianities in particular willing to say that most basic level of like it's okay to be who you are we're doing stuff that is hopefully much more um, expansive than that. And, and we do hear, um, you know, we, we do connect with uh, folks who are finding that particularly meaningful. Mm-hmm. Have you been met with any resistance from, uh, you know, the heteronormative community in any sense or people who aren't as understanding or open to inclusive language? Um, I mean, and like, we certainly receive, like, random hate mail and, mm-hmm. and stuff on occasion, but, but not as much of it as I have, for instance, received more personally by, like, being loud about being queer in the Methodist mm-hmm. church, and, you know, that mm-hmm. it has been um, a smaller amount, and I think part of that is because we're just sort of so far <laughs> um, outside of those mainline circles that people are either not even in rec- like knowing we exist um, or they're only seeking us out because they're at least somewhat interested in, in, have, in exploring yeah. this kind of mm-hmm. spiritual, spirituality and theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so n- not, a, not, as, not a whole lot of it, fortunately. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's so needed. But it's Mm -hmm. also, you know, I just, uh, because sometimes I feel there's uh, communities and different people who can't still quite understand Mm -hmm. um, being able to be inclusive or, or, you know, using different pronouns for God or using different Mm -hmm. images for God. And there's a part of me that's like, man, that's so sad. Right. Again, because right. you're missing the depth. Yeah. Right. Because I also think it's important for all of, for those who might not even, who aren't identifying as queer, mm-hmm. um, still, it's a breadth, the breadth of God, right? Mm-hmm. When we hear this uh, language and so many of the things that have been written and, and is on your website put me much more in touch, right? With, my own sense of spirituality and my own sense mm-hmm. of faith mm-hmm. through the imagery. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think like so much of, of what we hope to do is like 
share like theologies from many different communities and lineages of faith that help mm-hmm. broaden and deepen and expand um, uh, again the sort of white dominant mainline understanding of God with the with the belief that like that which has been pushed to the edges is the very thing we need the most mm-hmm. right and and not just yeah those quote unquote those people on the edges need no 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 it's about we all need that that's the neglected stuff you know and so I think whether it's spirituality is infused with queerness um or black liberation or recentering the earth it's like uh fresh of breath air right yes (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so you're essentially um as I like to say reframing God for mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. So what was the biggest way God was reframed for you? Um, I think for me, the, the way the sort of umbrella biggest change would be uh, or reframing was moving from a God who is objective at a distance um, to a God who, who is uh who uproots oppressive and dominant forces in and through us because like that changes love, right? Mm -hmm. That changes freedom from sin, that changes healing, that changes forgiveness, Um, that changes everything about the whole story of Christianity uh, and what it calls us to today. Um, Yeah, which ties back to the beginning about like experiencing and recognizing and perceiving God here um, here, right here, right now in, mm-hmm. in this material world. Um, but the way that that relates to power, um, and relates to, um, justice was entirely lacking in my, um, early, earlier experiences of faith. Yeah. So what's the process, uh, like for those who are listening, right. And who yeah. are still struggling mm-hmm. with, even, you know, God and God's self and Mm -hmm. maybe having um, been very hurt. uh, Mm -hmm. What does the process look like of unlearning? Mm. Yeah, um, you know, I think it can be, it needs to be so different for so many people. But for me, it, I'm such a like, head first kind of person for better and for worse. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so for me, I had to like learn uh, through books and through teachings and lectures, um, other possibilities before I could like even try to practice those. Mm. Um, and so for me, that looked like seeking out, um, yeah, seeking out books with different different points of view. And so reading feminist theologies and and black liberation theology and um queer theology that just gave me different ways of of understanding that like I just you you can't just get there on your own right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um and so finding those voices in communities either through books or through um people doing other forms of ministry on the internet um or if you're lucky to lucky enough to be in a geography where um there are are folks doing ministry differently uh just kind of going and and 
feeling out some other ways, right? Um, uh, certainly for other people, it means needing to leave this particular uh, religious space altogether. And I, I fully, you know, fully support those that, that for whom that's the path. Um, but for those who will desire to find healing within the same tradition that they found harm, um, there's a, an incredible array of books and people and movements uh, offering something different. So do you have any sort of spiritual practice that you have taken on for yourself mm -hmm. um, to help you just kind of center or, you know, I, mm -hmm. I keep thinking, you know, writing is something for me that I also like to do, but have um, with me being a parent right now and the pandemic and different things like that, I cannot find a place to even <laughs> quiet yes, my mind sure. to get to that space of just connection. Mm. Uh, so I'm curious, what are the ways that you find a sense of a spiritual practice if you have one mm. or a way to connect? Yeah, for me right now, it certainly changes um, over time, but right now I'm just really drawn to poetry. Mm. Um, and I think part of it is that I am so like head driven that poetry helps me like get more into my body and my feelings and my, my emotions in ways that um, obviously I think are extremely pivotal to our um, spiritual lives. And so like turning to voices that are naming in beautiful ways mm. um, the truth I need to remember or um, the pain that I need to connect with because I need to do my own grieving, you know, really just yeah. like the way that poetry invites into um, aliveness and all its pain and pleasure, I, I think is, it's just, it's kind of it for me right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. I, I'm so grateful for poets. I know, right? <laughs> I love them too. Yes. <laughs> so another element that I totally appreciate and love is the fact that you bring sensuality mm. into mm -hmm. liturgies. Mm -hmm. So why do you personally believe that is important? I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, right? But it's... <laughs> It's just, it's this fact that like these bodies, these experiences, these pleasures and pains are what we have. Mm -hmm. And in all the ways we learn to neglect them mm -hmm. um, or demonize them or shut them off, um, we, we completely deaden the possibilities of life. And the, I think, the calling of humanity, which is to like flourish together among creation. Mm. Um, those things aren't possible without tending to our own sense of desire and body and physical connection, right? Mm -hmm. Like it all goes together. And so um, again, I think it partly comes up so regularly because it's a, a kind of correction to that lack that, um, is, has just been there in so many um, lineages of, of, of faith for, for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. I tend to tell different church communities that for so long, either we've been ministering to half a person 
Yeah. Right. Because if we don't recognize the sexuality aspect of ourselves, yes. we're not um, recognizing the fullness That's right. <laughs> of humanity and who we are. Or if yeah. we are talking about it, it's so, you know, like you had said, demonized and it's yeah. so, um, it makes us just feel awful. You yes. Know? yes. I feel then distances ourselves again from our body, distances mm -hmm. ourselves from being able to connect fully to God yes. in the way that I think God wants to connect to us. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's just, it goes hand in hand, right? With like the basic, uh, there's just this idea that like God isn't interested in pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. Or God isn't yes. interested in desire. Um, that love isn't erotic. Like that kind of love doesn't, isn't included in, in, in God or in our practices of faith. And like, those are all lies, uh, you know? I like to think, I think since uh, actually becoming a sexual health educator, I think now the creation story is completely erotic. Mm. You know, if you yeah. look at the second, you know, the second story and things like that, I'm like, well, think about all the language that's even wrapped up in there. And yes. I just imagine, you know, hands and <laughs> yes, getting yes. into the soil and moving it around and playing. And I'm like, yes. that's really erotic and that's oh. really okay. Yes. And it's how wonderful, you know? Yes. yes. Oh, I love that so much. And like, and that makes me think of the ways like the erot erotic love is in all of its forms is a part of creating and mm -hmm. creativity. And that's so much of what I think about with the, the creation story, right? Like it's all about creating life in various ways. And like, mm -hmm. that's er the erotic is pivotal for that. I know. Um, yeah. And you, you look at, I always am fascinated too by the structures, right? Like the garden and you think about just what you mm -hmm. find in a garden and look Ugh. at what they look like you know, so yes. many of them, as we know, um, mimic <laughs> yes, yes. Um, genitalia in many yep. ways. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That's what fascinates me. Yeah. And it wasn't once, yeah, it wasn't once seen. It At one time, it was not, that was not seen as anything scandalous. It just um, was celebrated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So is there a story for yourself that's being mm. continuously framed, reframed right now? Mm. Um, yeah, and it actually relates perfectly to what, what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Adrienne Marie Brown's work, um, oh, mm -hmm. but she's just, the, the last two years or so been sort of pivotal in my own uh, reframing of my own story and her latest book is on is called pleasure activism um oh yes mm -hmm. yeah it's mm -hmm. so that's good on my that's on my oh, good. yeah 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 <laughs> excellent <laughs> um yeah. and you know I've just really needed to learn um about how to center desire and what it has to do with social justice um mm. Um, and, you know, Adrienne Marie Brown pulls from Audre Lorde's The Uses of the Erotic in oh, yeah. her work. And, you know, Audre just talks so much about the ways that, like, again, that aliveness is critical to 
building a world that is also alive, right? Um, mm -hmm. And to not settling for forces that deaden, for ways of life that are deadening. Um, and for me, the, the big switch has been not settling for practices of social justice that are deadening. Mm. <laughs> um, and really thinking about the last 10 years of, of my life in particular, as I've uh, centered LGBTQ justice work in the church, like what are the philosophies that I was moving from in that work? Mm. Um, and are they ones that I actually wanna spend the rest of my life living into? Are they sustainable? Are they life-giving? Uh, and I feel like Audre Lorde and Ingram Marie Brown and Grace Lee Boggs, they're among others are helping me to, um, to, to really sink into the ways that um, the, the process, the means are the end kind of, you know, is, is almost as simple as that. Uh, but when we're doing social justice and when I'm trying to orient my life in a way that it aligns with the justice I wanna see, that that means I should be practicing uh, the joy I wish to be created in the world, right? Like I need mm. to be living that in my own life. I need to be living uh, with integrity to my own individual practices as I'm doing the work of social justice, not like setting all of that side for a one, for a one day. Right. Um, and that's, it sounds so like basic saying it, but I feel like it's not what I learned, you know, mm, and it's yeah. not what I, um, it's not what I've been practicing. It's been much more of a like, mm, I don't know, just moving with all of the hard things and ignoring the the good things um, in the work of justice. And yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah, as we all are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, fully embodying all those. I yeah. think it's interesting. I do feel like there's times where we, you know, we learn stuff or we hear stuff and we take that, but to practice, to put it into practice yeah. fully, that's the meat, right? That's the that's space. Right. That's <laughs> right. Too. Yeah. So how and do really, you, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say really like the question of how to bring something into being, mm. like, is it a, I think for a long time, I didn't realize I was moving out of it. Like you work, 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 work. And then one day it will be versus a, you bring it into being by practicing it. Oh, um, at the, and Audre Lorde's emergent strategy talks about the like, you do it at the small level and then it you know grows up into the larger levels um, versus a linear, like, again, that sort of one day idea, which of course you can hear Christianity running through that, right? Like mm -hmm. one day there will be joy, one day morning will be over versus right. a like, can we create that in small ways now and then build it out? Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I remember starting to read the book and I would, I, I have to get involved with my books. I always hmm. underline and stuff. And I'm uh -huh. like, well, this book is just going to be covered in writing. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's awesome. so much here. <laughs> where do you feel, uh, as a reverend, where do you feel the church needs to go and where do you think it is going? Hmm. You know, I think uh, it's such an interesting time. Um, the pandemic is really leaving a lot of people with a lot of questions about what will, what is going to emerge from this in terms of the church. Um, who is going to return to those sanctuaries? Uh, uh, so there's 
there's a lot of questions about where it's headed. I, I hope it's headed in a more just and creative direction, but um, the church in the largest sense of the word does not like change and in some mm-hmm. ways I think will um, rather die than change. Um, the church in its structural form, I should say. But um, what I think it should do, uh, for me, the biggest concern right now uh, as a, a white clergy person in a predominantly white denomination um, is confront the ways that whiteness uh, has shaped what the church is. Um, again, how we think and practice God and spirituality, um, what what it is the even the purpose of church why you know just it, until those deeper levels those root levels of of whiteness and um white supremacy are are genuinely explored and there are genuine there's genuine willingness to give up the things that are entangled with them um including power uh yeah the church the church will never ever 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 be um what it is meant to be uh, mm. certainly not in this nation yeah yeah that's the truth mm. uh, that takes i think it's one of those things where you know those of us who are white mm-hmm. continuously need to take a long hard look right in the yeah. mirror and recognizing the times when we have benefited from Mm -hmm. that sort of mind frame and then how it's also made us lose so much yeah that's right and how we need to you know change for sure yeah our souls depend on it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so what are your hopes for in flesh? It's it's yeah. growing. You talk about a print magazine starting to come. Yeah. What are your hopes and what are you excited about? Yeah, a lot. It's a really exciting year for us. Um, we so we just uh, we just started our first trans faith internship. Um, oh, we wow. have an, yeah, awesome. we have a wonderful intern <laughs> named Knight who we haven't yet gotten to introduce, but we look forward to so. We're thrilled to have him on board with us. Um, and yeah, we are starting our own internal conversations about what this print publication is going to look like. Uh, it is going to be a, a, a one-time thing currently, but it is going to be um, a publication that centers beauty, both in terms of visual beauty, but tactile mm. beauty, mm. Um, that centers art, that... Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're very excited about its becoming um, and who all is going to be involved in that. Mm. Uh, so more to come about that. Um, and, you know, we just uh, expanded our writers for our uh, Liturgy That Matters subscription, providing clergy across the country with different ways of uh, approaching worship prep. And um, so there's just a lot of excitement for me around bringing more people into this work, mm-hmm. uh, which is always a desire um, and always exciting and makes everything kind of better. <laughs> uh, and uh, I am personally most excited about the things that are uh, 
non-traditional in focus. Like I, I really value our uh, worship prep work and I'm really feeling energy around creating resources that are not tied to the church in any way. Um, that's cool. just, yeah. So yeah, that's a big part of our focus this year, which is thrilling. <laughs> well, I'm excited you're doing a print magazine because I do believe that there's something that gets lost when everything is digitalized. Yes. You know, yes. like yes. the fact that you can touch it, it matters yeah. to me. <laughs> mm, uh-huh. So I'm yeah. so excited that that's happening. Yeah. Thanks. I love that you said that. And we, we feel the same way. Like there's just significant limitations to digital realities and who isn't tired of screens. Oh, I mean, gosh it's like we're so tied to them and they're so necessary in the world that we've created, but mercy, I want to be able to take something away from my screen. And yeah, my eyes are it. getting terrible yeah. from them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like what's happening? Totally. So um, how can people find you? Where do they need to go? Yeah. So uh, our website is in flesh.com. That's E-N-F-L-E-S-H-E-D.com. Uh, and then you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then we also have a bi-monthly column uh, that you can sign up for on our website for email. Yeah. Well, um, I totally think you're amazing and I'm mm. grateful for your voice in the world mm. and the ministry that you're providing and how it's enriched my life. So mm. I just really appreciate you and I'm excited for the fact that you're growing and that you're reaching more people. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it and for the work that you're doing in the world. One of the things I love about being a sexuality health educator is talking with people one-on-one. -on -one. It's in these conversations where we really break down what's been holding us back or things that have been getting in our way with relationships. It's in this time where I help people dispel myths, where we look at our expectations, and we can really focus on education. If this is something you are interested in, then please visit my website at www.reframingourstories.com. 